When comedy combines with charity, good things can happen. And we'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Thanks for coming. I'm Matt Napo. It's great to have you here, as always. Uh, second uh, back-to-back edition and a special 9 p.m. edition, uh, and it's uh, really great to have you here. As you know, if you follow the program, we've kind of gone off the rails, uh, at least last week a little bit, uh, some crazy things going on with the show, and it's Hopefully, we're getting back on track right now. If you missed it, I just want to explain. We started off last week with some really uh, bizarre stuff. Uh, uh, an actor who's been in a lot of movies who uh, happens to be a dwarf. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh at that, but uh, happens to be a dwarf. And we were, I was set to talk about his uh, movie career and, and some of the things he's done and some of the stunts he was involved in as a, a little person actor. And it just eroded into a uh, really ugly show, uh, a lot of racism uh, and uh, just insane talk coming out of the guy's mouth. And I ended up not publishing that. And then Saturday night, uh, I was expecting to have a comedian on uh, and uh, billed as a comedian. Uh, and what, as soon as I introduced him into the show, I noticed he was in his car. And I said, wait a minute, are you in your car or is that a jet? Because I couldn't tell what it was. I guess the window behind him. He said, no, it's actually home right now. And back there is my wife, you could see. And they're, they're living in a car, homeless people living in a car. And so uh, not expecting that, first of all, to be thrown for a loop. Uh, it was a very difficult program to me. It turned out the guy had turned uh, COVID had kind of put them both out of work. They got evicted despite an, a nationwide ban on evictions. Uh, I guess their landlord didn't care, didn't know, uh, said, get out. And so they've been living in a car for six weeks. And he, he turned to sex work sex work with his wife in the car a wife actually suggested it uh and he's a 50 year old diabetic with asperger's and a, uh basically one good eye and kind of a distorted face and people are paying him uh to send them dick pics uh and it's just like so that was uh, the show saturday night and then today i had a, a supposed leadership and success coach on uh uh, who's going to talk? Tell us all about uh, how to become a winner. Except he didn't show up. And I, you know, uh, if you're going to position yourself as a leadership coach or a success coach, uh, showing up is definitely one of the uh, elements of being a winner. So it, it's just one of. So the show's been off the rails for a little bit. If you just watched <laughs> the previous program, and this is just a little backup here. Back in the day when I had a, a radio show on WNYG AM in Babylon, New York, uh, one of the recurring bits we had was fishing on the radio, and it was making fun of the fishing shows. <laughs> that were on ESPN at the time because I just got a kick out of them that guys would just be sitting in a boat for a half hour, not catch a fish and just talking like with a, a Southern drawl, basically sitting on the lake. And that's our show for you this week, uh, this week folks. And so we made a, a, a comic bit out of that and it was a recurring bit. And so when my guest 
who was on the previous program uh told me he has not one but two fishing podcasts i was like wow that's just so surreal and it turns out uh he's not the only one there are hundreds literally hundreds of fishing podcasts which just blows my mind because it was always a joke to me but tonight Hopefully we're back we're back on the rails and with a not only uh, worthwhile cause but some really funny gentlemen, some uh, some experienced uh, professional comedians who are not living in their car and not selling themselves uh, online or sexually or any other way. Uh, and what I'm going to want to talk to them about is I want to be able to. Uh, they have this event that's going to be happening online, and I want to be able to buy one person uh, from the audience a ticket to that i'm not sure how to do that i know i can buy for myself online uh but i'm going to ask them about that now what i'd like to do is and oh, don't do this yet but or until i discuss this with them i want anybody who will go to their website which i'm going to announce as soon as i have them on and take a screenshot of it or just share it to your social media any social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you, we're going to share it, share it, take a screenshot of it with a timestamp, send it to me. The first person that does that, I'm going to buy a ticket to their special event. Uh, before I bring them in, I really want to get to my sponsors really quickly. Fundwise Capital, you know all about them. The lender matching platform that gets you the best credit lines guaranteed. If I'm talking a little fast, it's because I'm a used car salesman. Uh, you can apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit score to see how much you can get. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. Get the best funding you can qualify for. <laughs> the strategic lender matching platform says you to hundreds of, of lenders to get the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. I think when they do that, they don't laugh in between. That's the problem. Uh, they provide unsecured uh, lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months, unsecured term loans, loans based on your income, short-term gap funding, or bridge loans, real estate. They work with real estate, startups, franchises, uh, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started, it's really easy. Just go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Apply.funwise.com slash minddog. And I do appreciate you uh, patronizing my sponsors. Uh, tonight, I am very fortunate to have J.J. Boyd and John LaRocchia uh, on. They have actually two... Um, Two foundations that are all about giving back while providing uh, some laughter and some humor. One is called, I want to make sure I get this right, uh, laughtersavelives.org. And the other one is helpingthroughhumor.org. They have a very special uh, online event that begins tonight. And I want to help them promote that. And I want to get you people involved. So please, without further ado, and this is going to take some time, uh, some doing because I have to click twice to get them in here. Please welcome JJ Boyd and John LaRocchia. Hey, well, hey, guys. Hey, John. It's John's head. <laughs> nice, nice hair. I am. A, I'm a little insulted. I am a homeless dwarf, and I, I, I'm not happy with the way that you portrayed dwarfs uh, in the first part of the show here. Hey, hey, I'm a New York City fireman for a while. There's no um, such thing. There's no such thing as small parts. Only small actors. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, what kind of show? Still, you're, you're still, you're still a small dog. Um, um, yeah. So, homeless guys, and let's bring on JJ and John. What did well, you get us on here, JJ? What kind of show is this? Well, I didn't know. I didn't know how to tell you, but I'm going to be selling you for sex acts for making money for Life to Save Lives again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> well, thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Oh, please, thank you for coming because it's been like it's been a very strange week with a lot of strange yeah. kind of. I had a uh, um a meth addict, a recovering meth addict who looked like he never did a drug in his life, and it was just like, come on, man. He was uh, pitching his book about um you know recovery and stuff, but it just didn't. He didn't. He looked like uh, Troy Aikman, and he's selling it. I'm a meth addict, uh, a recovering meth addict. It's like it, it's. Doesn't well, look like it. <laughs> uh, John, I, want, I, I think it's nice that you cleaned up the basement. So, <laughs> no, excuse, me, excuse me. This is a green screen of a very messy basement. Oh, all right. People are looking for this kind of background now. I, I can, yeah, I could see that. Google uh, very messy basement and, yeah. and background. And if you see this back there, that is a, this one, that is a, a uh, Nativity scene that's been there for three years, right back there. So uh, it's a beautiful basement. It's a beautiful basement. Well, I appreciate you coming, no matter what what the background is. Yeah. Uh, so, and this is a noble thing you guys are doing, right? So, and and it's not your first um, charity event or or giving back event, but you have. And this is I'm I'm curious about this. You have two different uh, organizations. Uh, laughter. What I gotta make sure I get this right. Laughter dot org and then helping through humor dot org. Why oh, the two oh. different ones? Is it uh, just you guys have separate uh, foundations that you both put together and just happen to be working on this one together? No, we looked them both up on the internet, and we stole the names, and we ran an event. Uh, <laughs> I am uh, no change. Do you want me to speak first, or you want to go first? Uh, let, uh, let me explain how we got to how we how this came about. Uh, John and I have known each other for many years through comedy. Um, I've been working on the helping through humor for at least ten or eleven years. Uh, in that time, back near the beginning, uh, John had um, hired me to do a special event. It was at a, the um, the Home Depot here in Port in uh, Patchogue, and it was great. It was after hours for all the employees, and we got to talking. And I was telling him what I was working on. He's like, "Man, I'd love to do something for all the guys." Uh, you know, being that he survived nine eleven, and he's he's got such a good heart. So together, we kind of he did most of the work, but I just kind of pushed in the right direction. And he started Laughter Saves Lives for first responders. Now, mine was it was something that I'd started coming up with about, like I said, 12 years ago, and I, it started because of youth arts. I am a very big believer in youth arts, and as this concept kept growing, it kept morphing and just kept exposing itself to new ideas to the point where what my platform does is we put on one comedy show or music event, anything, and we gather multiple like-minded charities. For this event, this show that we're promoting, we filmed it Sunday night. And we have, John, what do we have, 35 national charities for first responders? Uh, no, it's more, probably more around. We, we, I approached about 35, but we ended up probably with about 19 solid charities. The other ones didn't respond right away, and I started focusing on these these 19. So we have 19 charities. Thanks uh, for letting me speak, JJ. Well, I, well, I had to get my, I had to, before you took a breath, I had to get in. <laughs> so we, we, we recorded the show, professionally recorded, uh, professionally edited. And now all these charities over the last two, three months, we've been in constant contact, priming the pump. John and I have made a couple of uh, promo videos alerting them that this is going to be happening, getting them excited about it. John's been on Zoom meetings without me getting them excited. Now, as of tonight, 
all these charities are sending out a big notice to all their their donors, their family, thousands their parents, and thousands of followers. Thousands of followers. They're all going to log on to helping helpingdohumor.org, and when they go to purchase the event, they are going to actually be allowed to choose their specific charity. So the 19 charities will drop down on a screen. They pick theirs, and it's a $31 buy-in. Of that $31, 25 of it goes to the charity. So if they get a thousand people to log on, they're going to get twenty five thousand dollars, and all they had to do was send out emails. We did all the heavy lifting. Gotcha. So, uh, is it possible that the scenario that I put out, where I can buy for the first person who who can prove that they actually shared this, uh, go to the site uh, and share it, and then take a screenshot and send it to me, the very first sure. person I want to buy that for them. So I can sure. do that online, and then sure. I I would choose the charity to get to get some money, right? Lives dot org is a good choice. Yeah, John's charity is one of the charities. Oh, <laughs> my charity. It's, it's not much. JJ, may I, may I cut in oh, there? Please. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for you done. Clean up the basement. <laughs> no way. I was, you know, I was down in this basement for four weeks, by the way. I was quarantined down here for four weeks. Wow. Well, that's because yeah. the Billy Goats, the Billy Goats had, had COVID. You can't go back to the bridge. No, it's because my wife told me to go down and get a tangerine. I thought she said quarantine. I was down here for four weeks. <laughs> And then, yeah, and then I was down here, and she and she said after three weeks, I said, "What am I doing down here?" She goes, "You're an idiot. That's why you never asked." So I, was down here. So I started uh, Laughter Saves Lives Foundation after 9/11. We lost a third of my firehouse. We lost 19 guys after 9/11. Guys that made me laugh. Guys that were funnier than I'll ever be. And um, I said, "How can I remember them?" And I laughed. We laughed one day in the firehouse, maybe months after 9/11. We laughed at something. I don't remember what it was. And the first thought was, ooh, we shouldn't be doing that, you know. And then the next thought was, wow, that felt good to laugh again. So I, over time, I said, what a great way to remember the guys through laughter. And that's what the Laughter Saves Lives Foundation does. We do shows in memory of the guys, raise money for many different charities in their name, and we make people laugh in their name. We also do free comedy shows at the Veterans Hospital, St. Albans and Northport. And, and we just, from JJ, I didn't tell you this. All right, because I called you the other day and you didn't shut up and you got a chance to talk and hang up. I didn't tell you this that from the money we raised Sunday from the show, Laughter Saves Lives, may bought 20 pairs of boots that are going to be given to homeless veterans. I'm going uh, all Veterans Day to hand out boots with general needs LTD, a charity that nice. helps homeless veterans. And that's from the show we did the other night through the sponsorships and everything. So that's freaking cool. Awesome. I just awesome. got off the phone with the Zoom meeting with them a half hour ago. So that's the kind of stuff we do. Excellent stuff. Uh, and uh, I appreciate all you guys do. I do some uh, charity work and some uh, volunteer work at St. Albans and Northport, too, uh, playing for the for folks there. So uh, it, it's a, it's always an honor to play yeah. for those those people. Uh, so where was this Where was this thing taped? Well, uh, can what? you say where it was taped, JJ? Because it was all... Was it a was it well? You don't have to say exactly oh, where, but if you can say, was it a live venue? There yeah, was it was involved. There was a lot of dwarfs. <laughs> there was a lot of people in their cars. I don't I know what they were all sleeping there. Uh, no, I think Sorry. we could say because it's it's uh, it's already on it's on the uh, the show oh, itself. Yeah. It was uh, Cafe Spiga out in Mount Sinai. They have an outdoor tent, 
everybody had their thir their temperature taken. We only accepted a certain amount of people so we could all socially distance. All the comedians used different microphones. We all had hand sanitizer. And, and, you know, everybody there was like related to some kind of first responder situation. So we all knew how to make sure everybody was safe. Wow. We, you know, it was all about it was all about having an audience for the video. So we needed to have some laughter and some people there. So we didn't want to have too many people. And uh, they did a great job. We had so much fun. We had, and I had eggplant bomb and about five meatballs. And oh my God, they fed me like a. What else did I have? Pasta. I said, give me just a little bit. They gave me a big bowl. It was great. Well, I wish I would have known because Mount Sinai is kind of my my backyard a little bit. I'm in Shoreham, so oh. well, not too far from there. I would I would have I didn't even know about you guys and uh, about this event until what th Wednesday or Thursday of last week. Mutual <laughs> so, uh, friend. Yeah. The event on helpingfuelhuman.org is going to be available for the next. When are you closing it out for the next week? It's, right. What we're doing is we okay. we just put it up tonight. It will be available for the next week uh, on the site. Um, we'll, uh, we'll be talking to the, uh, we'll see how the numbers are doing. Um, if it's, if it's, you know, really doing well, we may leave it up for a couple more days. We're not sure, but, uh, right now it's definitely going to be a week. That's one of the great things about how this is being done. Not to pat myself on the back, but a lot of these online fundraisers, you have to be at your computer at a certain time. You either miss it or you don't. This, you can buy it and watch it at any time you want on your phone, on your laptop, on your tablet. It's on your schedule. Yeah, that's the way. That's what video on demand is all about, folks, and that's the way it should be. Now, here, here's the thing. Again, I, I mentioned this before, and I, I just want to make sure we have the uh, the parameters right. The first person who goes to helpingthroughhumor.org uh, and shares that page to your social media, take a picture of it, get a timestamp. The first person who can send proof of that to info at minddogtv.com, I'm going to buy you a ticket for that. So, uh, I could, uh, yeah, very kind. Well, I'm, I, I definitely will buy a ticket for myself because I want to see. I've seen a little bit of you guys on YouTube. Uh, obviously, I've never seen you in person, <laughs> but I have seen you in YouTube on YouTube in person. Well, let me tell you, this is how the show went. We did a little editing. So we all did it. We had Joe Starr and Chris Roach headlining the show. JJ and I, we all did a half hour. When we, when we finished with the editing, JJ says hello, and then he says goodbye. That's his whole set. <laughs> That's the best part of my act. When I when I leave the stage, the place goes nuts. We only have the funny stuff, so that's what we get. So you mentioned the online stuff. I want to talk about that a little bit. Have you done any of the online, uh, just like Zoom comedy shows? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I did a few. I don't like to, I don't really like to do them. But I did one where the audience was zoomed in, and all I did was pick on the audience. But we did at Laugh to Save Lives a five hour Zoomathon, where we bought. Oh, how many men? 4,000 masks for first responders in the height of it. We had Joe Piscopo open it up. Uh, we had, uh, I don't know if you remember Scott Sanford from, he was on Channel 11. He's big with the W. So we had a whole bunch of comics, nurses, five hours of me on screen. It was a horror show. Me there for five hours, but we had a ball and we raised $11,000. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. Holy smokes. Yeah. Very good stuff. The thing with the, the Zoom stuff, and I, I don't know if you guys know Chris Monty, local comedian. Sure. He did sure. one of the best uh, Zoom shows I've seen. Be, uh, and it was just a one-man show from his apartment uh, when, the, when COVID first started. Yeah. And it, it seemed like he 
had the audience in his head so that he had could be able to time the applause and all that stuff that wasn't really there. Now, I had Scott Page on, who used to play saxophone with Pink Floyd, and he's developing this thing for online shows, right, where you can have the audience zoom in on screens there and actually hear their applause and all right. that stuff and laughter in real time. That would help a little yeah. bit but, yeah, to well, keep the staleness out of it, right? That's, that's one of the reasons I was really hoping to have a live audience for this show was that right. I think when that is seen on camera, that's something that everybody really misses, and it's it's something that people want. They want to hear that audience reaction. They want to see that the the heads bobbing with laughter and stuff. So, because um, I mean, I it, there's something about standing in front of your own couch <clears throat> telling jokes to the, the throw pillows, and it's just like uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's 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 not it's not the same. It's definitely tough. Yeah. Um, have you heard or seen about the comedy stores uh, stuff that's on Showtime right now? The, the history of the comedy store. Oh yeah, I just saw an ad. Yeah, well, if you look at that really close, because you mentioned the heads bobbing and all that stuff, you will see audiences who weren't there when those performers. So you see a comic and tell a joke, and then they'll show, show a, a shot of an audience, oh, and yeah, it's yeah, yeah. actually people who from ten years later, like Ralphie May, wasn't even born when David Letterman was was <laughs> at comedy show, but he's in the audience laughing his head off. So. <laughs> That would be a creative way to kind of make these Zoom shows a little more exciting if you have footage, say, from Governors and of the, or any local comedy club where people are actually laughing in it and put that in between, you know, edit it in between to it's, make it seem more live. It's, it's funny when you say, like, you know, you hear, like, you hear the, voice, the, the audience in your head. I do a joke. And uh, my manager was watching the raw footage, and he goes, uh, "He goes, I don't know." He goes, "There's a fine line between like sweetening the pot as far as laughter and applause." He goes, "You could tell you were waiting for the applause that you always get." Right. <laughs> it was like one person. True. <laughs> I think yeah. it was John actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris said he he had people when he did his people were rushing him like uh, you're you're waiting too long between the jokes, and I watched it. I was not in the same room with him. I watch it online and i thought it was impeccable like he he oh, yeah. actually had my laughter timed right so i, I and i gave right. him that feedback he said no my wife was in the room tell me come on come on you did too much dead air and he, so it's a tricky thing right yeah yeah it is it is that's why i enjoyed when i did the zoom shows we would do jj did you do the ones for the uh the healthcare workers they who's that guy that was doing the shows i can't remember his name but you saw the people at their desks so they had like 12 people. And all I did was anytime somebody picked up the phone, I was in the middle of the – I just went right after him on, on Zoom, you know, back and forth. Because that's what that's what I enjoy. And they enjoy that. Right. You know, that, that you can see them and that, you, you know, instead of just bada-bing, 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 doing your punchlines from your desk, you know. Of course, all these people are ready to find him in real life when this is over and punch him out. But that's okay. <laughs> You see how you can use your name down here? I use J.J. Boyd when I did those shows. So. <laughs> you can't um, pull that off. You're not that handsome. <laughs> you, know, one of my, you mentioned that. One of my favorite things about uh, YouTube stuff is watching comedians handle hecklers and stuff like that. But it, I have seen it get a little out of hand. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this guy. His name is Joe Dees. Have you ever heard of him? No. He, was, he was doing hosting an open mic. <laughs> hosting an open mic and a, a guy was up there and he was bombing his first time bombing i mean totally bombing and he's got guys the manager's giving him the light and stuff and he's not getting off stage so they send joe Dees, who was the, the host uh, 
go take the mic from him. He goes to take the mic from him, and the guy goes, nah, get out of here, man. I'm doing my stuff. And so he, he punked out a little bit, went back into the audience, and then the manager said, no, get the mic from him. He went back up. They said, "Get you know, give me the mic. You're, you're off. And the guy went to hand him the mic, and as he was handing him the mic, sucker punched him, knocked him down, and knocked him out pretty much cold. And he was down for like 10 seconds, and then all of a sudden he popped out, and he goes, how about your next act? And, he's, <laughs> and like, the composure was amazing, but... Uh, yeah. ha- have you ever gotten to a situation with a heckler that got like really ugly? Because I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not a nasty comic. I, I go into the audience in a fun way. I don't really make fun of people unless it's like, you know, I'll go after some ladies they're talking. I'll go, Hey ladies, like, what were you thinking tonight? Let's go out to a comedy show. There'll be a comic in the background. We could talk all night. It'll be, <laughs> And they get it. A lot of times they'll get it. And if somebody's really abusive, I don't want to get into a. I let the audience handle it at that point. I talk loud. I move forward. Let the audience go after them. You know. Right. I probably the probably the most unique situation ever because I'm I'm the same. I love to have. If I talk to the audience, I will joke around with them. I, I don't I don't try to have a an argumentative tone. Um, I like to have fun up there. But I remember when I first started hitting the road. I don't remember it was. I was working for the Comedy Zone, and I did a show. It was at like a, a 1950s. Florida Motor Lodge, like literally, it was just like cheesy <laughs> times. And the stage was in the, the the lounge, and it was a black tape box on the floor. <clears throat> and I'm not kidding. All through my act, a guy in a wheelchair that was drunk with no legs kept running into me, running into me, and I kept trying to be nice about him. Like, could you, dude? Could you be a? Finally, he ran into me, hurt me so hard. I'm like, look. Lieutenant Dan, go sit over there. And it, he just thought there was the funny. He was hysterical. Oh, my God, Lieutenant Dan. I'm going to have everybody call me that now. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I, was, I was hosting a show, running a show, producing a show, and Peter Bales was on the show. And, you know, Peter Bales teaches the uh, comedy classes. So one of his students was on the show, and she was bombing a miserable death. She was only doing a few minutes. I put her on miserable, miserable death. And just as she's up there, they're bringing out the cake, right? So she comes walking off the stage towards Peter, and I'm sweating. I'm going, what is Peter going to say to this girl? Like, you know, you want to give her some positive feedback, right? You, you, you taught her, and but she was horrible. And as she walks towards him, he just looks at her, and he goes, have a piece of cake. Well, cake will make you feel better, I guess. Yeah, have, a, yeah. have a cookie. It always works. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of bombing, that show with the with the dwarf last week, I, I described that as, oh to God. people who who listen to me. I said tonight, the only people who can relate to how I felt after that show are comedians who have totally bombed and yeah. and and know the feeling of oh my God, I I just wish I could erase that from uh from my memory from. <laughs> Fortunately, oh. with the podcast, I could do that. I didn't. I didn't publish the podcast, and I, I went down and took the live streams off immediately and just oh. erased it from the. But how how difficult is it when you're first starting out and you, and and oh. to get over your first real super I, I bomb? Great, I me too. It's a great one. But go ahead, JJ. You go first. Oh no, I was about yeah, to say, John, John, John's the, what bomb? I mean, what what day is it? Did you, you know, this year? <laughs> the first paid gig I did did Nita Steins in Queens. Uh, middle Village. My family had a, a luncheonette. This guy had. They knew my family for years. I'm DJing back in the day at a, a party, and the guy goes, "Hey, I hear you doing stand up. You want to do stand up at my holiday party?" Yeah. He goes, "I'll pay you twenty five dollars. You gonna pay me? Oh my god, yeah, I'll be there." 
So I show up. It's all old German men that are drunk. They haven't eaten for three hours. They're drinking, 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 right? So he says, all right, John, you're going to come up soon. Now I'm nervous. I'm sweating, right? I'm in the back. So he goes, all right, you'll be up soon. So he goes out, and he says to the guys, all right, guys, before we bring out our strippers, and I go, what? we got a comic for you. What? Oh, my God. So now I walk out there, and now, you know, I'm new. I suck, right? So I walk out there, and I'm standing there with a piece of paper, right? And I start going through my jokes. and But nobody's paying attention. I'm bombing. And I'm sweating. All of a sudden, a guy comes walking right at me. And the bar was behind me. So I go, he's probably walking to the bar. And as he walks past me, he leans into the mic and he goes, you suck. <laughs> and it reverberates. <laughs> and I, I think I started crying. And I walked out. I ran out without my 25 bucks. I'm like, I'm never doing this again. Yeah. Oh, my God. Big, yeah. Dave, you got I, a story? I remember when I first started out, I got hired uh, to MC at McGuire's in Bohemia. Oh, yeah. I and know. This, this, is when the, when the, this is when the lovely and warm John Ryerson was yeah. the, uh, the owner. And yeah. Friday night, we had one show, Saturday, two shows. So Friday night, did not do that well. And I show up Saturday. He brought in somebody else. He waited for me to get there to tell me I was fired. Wow. <laughs> he yeah. goes, you can watch the show if you want. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Uh, well, that's never no. happened to me, thank God. That, that's that's got to be a tough one. Getting there and you uh, hearing from somebody else, you're fired, and you can stay and watch them perform oh. if you want. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, you know, that's what, like, John and I, the, the, the comics who – persevered were the ones who had those horrible moments and had this mental deficiency that went but i gotta go back up on stage <laughs> yeah it, it is kind of a masochistic art form isn't it uh you have you have to be uh do you still bomb ever occasionally or do or, or do you uh, <laughs> i don't want to put the jinx on you but <laughs> well uh watch the video <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We we you know how much laughter we had to import for John's set? We ran out of laugh tracks. You know what? You know what though? You reach uh, you know, after 9-11, I, I didn't do I didn't do a lot of comedy. I we were working a lot and, and obviously it wasn't in the frame of mind. And I got to a point now in my life where and I think that's a, a good point to get as a comment where you don't care anymore. And what I mean by you don't care is you're gonna go up there, you're gonna have fun. If you if you Say it to, and it bombs. I go right with it, you know, and I'm relaxed with that now. When you when you're new and you you, you throw out a punchline that bombs, you're nervous. Now you don't give a rat's ass. You go with it. You know it bombed. You know it sucked. But I always tell comics, blame yourself. Don't right. blame the audience. It's you that sucks. You yeah. know, I'm gonna be I, on the side. You know, I, I think what makes it exciting is now. I you know I haven't really written a lot of stuff in the last couple of years. Um, but when I was on the road, I mean, I was, what, what was that? What? what? Please start. Ah! <laughs> don't forget. I know where you live. Um, but <laughs> I rem I have a, I have a bit that I don't do that often. It's a religion bit. They say never talk about religion or politics. This religion bit, I don't, it's, it's written right down the middle and it's not meant to offend anybody. I did it for the first time right down the street from Oral Roberts university when I was a feature. Oh and the, he the headliner I was working with, he goes, you have to do it. I go, dude, 
Oral Roberts is right here. He goes, I don't care if you walk the entire room. I'll take the blame. And it went well. So I kept doing it. But I remember doing it once as a headliner in uh, Johnson City, Tennessee, big religious area. And after the show, a woman came out shaking my hand. I had such a wonderful time. Just, but that religion bit, I think you really turned me off. And I actually said to her, come, sit down. Explain to me what. And we went through the entire 15-minute bit step by step. And she actually said, you know what? I got to apologize. There's nothing in there. She goes, I think I just got defensive. And I said, that was the whole premise of the bit as to how we have to look at things a little differently. So me, when she said, I want to talk to him, I'm like, okay, this is how it ends. <laughs> do, you, do you still hold to that idea of uh, no, don't know politics and religion? Um, politics, if you're going to do it. And I, I remember years ago, I did a, a fundraiser at um, Ray Garvey's room. Ray Garvey was the man who started the, uh, the comedy <laughs> Brigada. He passed away, but he had a room in Brooklyn. And I stopped down just to see there was a bunch of acts I saw. They were raising money for uh, Staten Island Little League or something. And if I I did a, a, a political bit at that time, George Bush was president. But I would make if you do it, you got to do it on both sides of the fence. I did a joke about Bush and I did a joke about Hillary Clinton. So it, both sides were happy. Um, <laughs> it, it was funny because the, what's the guy's name from The Sopranos with the white hair, Paulie Walnuts? Oh yeah, 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 Paulie. He was, I don't... <laughs> he was there, and and for some reason he was. First of all, I had a girlfriend at the time. He's all over her. He's groping her and hugging her, and I go, "Hey, it's nice to meet you." He goes, "What's the matter? You don't like Bush? You dead, dead, dead?" And he starts cursing at me. I'm like, "What are you gonna get, Moltisanti after me? Relax, dude." And uh, <laughs> something you know, you but you, you got to be able to walk that line, and it, it comes with with experience. You know, right. that you can't. I know that if I'm going to do something edgy, if I'm doing an hour, an hour 15, something that uh, Adam Ferrara, great comedian, taught me, always put that right in the middle, right in the middle, because you always have an, a half an hour behind you to win them back or, or whatever. Right. Well, the reason I asked that was because today and yesterday, all over Twitter, lighting up about Bill Burr on Saturday Night Live. And I haven't, to be honest with you, I'm an old guy. I haven't watched Saturday Night Live since 1979. Really? But <laughs> yeah, I, I have no interest in it. Yeah, when it, when yeah, I guess uh, Bill Murray left and, and that was the yeah. end of the original crew, I had no interest in it after that. I might have seen one or two Piscopo and Eddie Murphy clips along the way but i wasn't a fan of it but uh, uh yesterday and today twitter blowing up about bill burr's offensive uh bit on saturday night live this weekend it was politics and religion and a little bit of uh you know gay bashing and whatever but so i watched it and i was like i can't find anything that that's in offensive in here why are people reacting this way and, and it, it kind of blew my mind that uh all the press he was getting because of it and i couldn't find anything offensive in it at, at all have have you have you seen it or, or, or got any reaction to it i haven't seen it yet yeah. nor have i, I no. it's funny i try not to watch too many other comics because i don't want to be subliminally sub, never by teeth in the mouth subliminally uh like hear something and then like use it. So right. I, I don't really watch a lot of other comedians. That's well, why I watch. John. Yeah, and that's interesting you say that because I don't watch. I don't watch other comics on TV or whatever. My kid, my wife watches uh, Maniscalco. What's that? how do you say his last name? Yeah, she loves him and she watches him. And I, I don't. I won't watch it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just 
I get itchy. If I'm watching another comic, I want to I want to go up there and perform. So I, I don't watch many other comics. Well, I feel the same way. I don't want to watch somebody performing, and, and, and I'd rather be performing myself than than right. watching somebody else do it. Uh, but you br- you bring up an uh, interesting point there about maybe subliminally remembering their stuff and kind of incorporating that. There's a big thing uh, going on also on the internet about this whole idea of joke theft, and I think. A big part of that is what you just mentioned, where it's not intentional theft. It's that I heard this bit 20 years ago. Don't remember that I heard another comedian do it. And now I think it's my original thought. But there are some comics that, hey, he stole my bit. I do a bit about being on the subway. What? Right, right. Yeah, like. (laughs) They think that that having the same topical premise makes it the same joke. No, no, no. Dude, just because you talk about having a dog doesn't mean no one else can talk about having a dog. It's all how you talk about it. Right. Well, it's more like that. Uh, the stuff they they're reacting to is like that Carlos Mencia stuff, where he does uh, Bill Bill Cosby's bit about the the kid raising the kid to play football. Yep. He does it word for word with the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's total thievery. Yeah. That, right. that's, that's the difference. Yeah, uh, and you mentioned uh, the writing uh, and not writing new material for a, a couple of years now. Uh, are you are you worried about putting too much stuff on the internet to to bur- what they call burning your act? Nah, nobody watches me anyway. <laughs> no, you, you bring up a good point there because uh, what Jay, what we're doing here with this show and what we're going to be doing moving forward. Oh, uh, I want to follow up with a lot of the organizations. I call them clients to make me sound important, but a lot of the uh, firehouses. Uh, or that I've been dealing with do from the studio private shows just for them and pay the comics through people buying tickets and some sponsors and, and comics like in the beginning of COVID, they were doing all the stuff on Facebook. Right. You know? I just like, well, this is going to be like a private show. Like instead of being in a firehouse or in a comedy club, you're on the computer, but only people who are buying tickets will see it. Right. Um, and and comics are more open to that to doing that kind of stuff. Right. Is uh, have you either got you guys ever open for a music act, um, like a major music act? The strippers. Like who? Who me? Uh, I I opened up for the Commodores. Oh my goodness! Well, that was, I actually do a bit about it. It's kind of it's because and it's funny because especially in today's climate, it's you know it's it, it was very funny because I went up there was in Connecticut. It was this beautiful, like a bodega, gazebo, right on a lake, 5,000 people, like 95% African-American and me. So I swear to you, my my opening line, when I looked around the crowd, I was like, wow, if I took a satellite photo right now, I'd look like a tic-tac in a sack of charcoal. It went nuts. (laughs) It went nuts because I went for it. They loved it. Written on the spot. And when I got backstage, the new, you know, the the, the the band is not the way it used to be. So the lead singer is kind of has his arms crossed. He goes, "Well, that took guts." I was like, "No, singing Brick House without Lionel Richie, that takes guts." <laughs> oh my god! Really happened. Really happened. Uh, well, I asked this question of just about every comedian I talked to. I had Steve Byrne on here, who uh, he oh, actually he opened up for uh, Kanye West. Uh, at Red Rocks, and he opened up for Mariah Carey at Red Rocks. And I was like, how was was that? He said, it was freaking hell. And so I'm th- just picturing 12,000 people who were there to see Kanye West. They're, right. they're drunk out of their mind, they're high on anything, and they don't want to see you, and they're noisy oh. as 
<laughs> and, and so it, it's got to be really difficult to even go through your act. He's got 25 minutes to do with, with people in their act. Now, yeah. my experience with that, and uh, probably a guy you guys probably know because he's a local guy, and I'm not going to mention his name. Uh, we were playing at Venetian Shores uh, the, uh, music uh, venue down here on, on the south shore of Long Island. And in the middle of our set, I, uh, I would turn around to tune my guitar, and I hear, Napo! Like, what? And, and I see this guy, and he's got the microphone. He said, uh, he's going to do two minutes. I was like, no, you don't want to do this, man. <laughs> bad idea, bad idea. And he insisted, and my singer invited him up to do two minutes in the middle of a dance band complete four hour set. And I was like, dude, these, these people are gonna kill you. And and so he started to do his and no uh, people were just angry and booing him and 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 so he didn't even get through the two minutes and then he kind of threw the mic down. He was mad at me. He's like, don't be <laughs> mad at me. I kind of I tried to save your ass and give you an out and you yeah. didn't want to take it. Uh so it, it just seems to me that music and, and Sam Talent, who I had on, brought up a good thing. If I do it, I want to do it when the band takes a break because uh, yeah. they, they're there to see the band rather than opening for them or, you know, coming up like he did, like right in the middle of two songs. Uh, when the band is on a break and those are so the people who aren't interested or want to take, aren't interested, they'll walk outside. But the people who stay want to stay and listen right, to you. Right. So yeah, That's tough. Yeah. Were, were you doing this stand-up, John, when you were a fireman? Yeah, yeah, I was at working in Manhattan. That's when I started. I was working at 12 Truck in Manhattan, got out of probie school on 19th Street over 7th Avenue, and uh, I did all the D.C. rooms in the city. I was actually doing stand-up at the time in a group of people. One of them was Al Martin, who uh, owned a Broadway comedy club. Uh, Chris Mazzilli, who owns Gotham. We all used to hang out together and uh, do stand-up. And we did all, all the little rooms, the, the lesbian bars, the bikers bar, you know, all those rooms. We walked into one place, a bikers bar, and I go, hey, where's the stage? And the guy puts down a, a case of beer and says, here, stand on this. <laughs> it, was, it was not like a request, you know. It was, <laughs> all right, all right. Um, wow. And that's that's where you earn your chops in those places. Right. How how long did does that go on for you for you guys? The the part of paying your dues before you can actually like you're a featured guy. How long does it? How long is the struggle? I think, I think John is still doing it. <laughs> oh, Thursday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thursday. I, I, I don't know how long. Ten years. It probably took me a good ten years before I had a solid half hour and I was comfortable with it. Yeah, I I I, I was fortunate. I'm trying to remember when it was, but I um. I got hired by somebody that I'd worked on the road with to open up for him. He called me specifically and said, hey, I'm going to be taping in, it was in Cuyahoga Falls, uh, the Funny Bone. And he said, um, do me a favor. He goes, I want to hire you for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Open for me. I'm making a corporate tape. He did magic or something. And he goes, I just know you're going to get them going. And then um, I, I think this was back with like MySpace. And I put something on and a friend of mine said, hey, they're having a competition uh, right down the road, sponsored by uh, Carnival Cruise Lines, and he goes, "You want to check that out?" So I called the guy up, and I went a day early Wednesday, and there were a hundred comics. Only the top five made this the next night, and I made it into the next night. So I had to call him up and like say, "I'm not, I'm not going to be there till till Friday." But well, I came in second in the whole thing, and I ended up getting headlining works from. I did some Carnival Cruise work. I started working with the Comedy Zone. Um, 
there was a group, lady named Cal Pennington who was booking me. Uh, she started headlining me. Um, yeah, a lot of work came out of that. So, I mean, I was I was just just about ready to start headlining. I mean, I had like maybe 40 minutes and I could stretch it to 50 with some crowd work. But I went on the road and that's when I was – I was doing tours up in the northwest. It was called the Triple Run, seven, eight, nine weeks through Idaho, Montana, Wyoming. You want to talk about tough rooms, man. There was was White Snake, Montana. They're like, you know, they're like the guys like, oh, you're where are you staying? I'm like, uh, the ABC Motel. He goes, ooh, uptown. I go, uptown. I could see it from here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that's got to be brutal, you know. I, I, road dog co- comedians, the people who are on the road and and yeah. experience all of the United States. Have you read or mm-hmm. are you aware of Running the Light by Sam Talent? A book that's out now. Yeah. It's about the life of, of uh, it's it's a novel, but it's based on lo- lots of real time comedians you know real famous comedians kind of blended into the main character of the thing and it's about uh, a guy who was uh you know he's been through it all had his period of uh you know the letterman's and and you know late night tv stuff had his moment in the spotlight it now is on the downside of his career but still doing the road dog thing and showing up in tucumcari new mexico with gigs like john just mentioned where you get you stand on a crate and, oh. and he w- he had he was uh the feature before he was headlining and the feature before him was mm-hmm. uh Plapo or Plapo. Plapo is duck, duck shit bingo, where they put a oh. duck on the stage, <laughs> and this is the act that is, that is opening for him. So, uh, it, well, it, you know, I will say there's no right way to do it. There's so many different ways to, as long as you've got the passion, and like it's like we were saying earlier, once you, you're, everybody's gonna die. You may get up there one or two times when you first start out. You're like, oh my god, I did so great. Then you run out of friends for a couple of weeks, and you're <laughs> in front of a real audience, and That's right. It, you you eat hot death. I mean, you can feel your toenails sweating. It's getting back up on that horse. You know, right. producing, producing shows when people send you videos, and I can tell within the first thirty seconds that it's a, it's a home crowd. You know, it's it's their family or whatever. And right. I tell them that I go, don't send. You can send it to me because I, you know, I, I get it. But don't send this video to people because they're gonna know right away that right. It, you, you you're saying, uh, oh, I ate dinner at grandma's and everyone, ah, you know. Yeah, like I said, like John and I took two totally different ways, but here we're, we're working together. We work together a lot. We, we have similar uh, sensibilities. We both like to give back. Um, me, like I said, I hit the road. I can remember the once I had a bunch of, sh- t- bunch of shows lined up, a bunch of them canceled out. I had two left, one in Farmington, New Mexico, and then Gunnison, Colorado. And I rented a car and I drove it. Right. I drove all the way there, and I went over the Rocky. It was a rented Mustang. I'll never forget. It. I was like, "What a!" Oh, I went over the Rocky Mountains in a blizzard in a rented Mustang, <laughs> and I think I made. I think I lost like eleven hundred dollars for the whole thing. Right. One of the shows was at a, the, the show was at an airport. You had to time the bits for when the small the small prop planes would start out on the runway next to the room. <laughs> <laughs> I I did I did a show in uh, in Long Beach a few years ago with Sa- Santa was doing it and he goes up there and the planes are taking off from Kennedy and you know and he's getting all frustrated and I get up there and the first thing I said to the audience is every time a plane takes off we start singing John Denver oh my bad so I I don't care if I had a ruin a punchline I'm going boo huh oh my and we had a ball the, by the time it was over we had a ball John do you remember Chuckles and Mineola oh yeah. 
Okay, Chuckles was right next to a firehouse. Like literally, the stage was right next to, like outside was where the the, the tower was with the siren. Yeah. So you'd be in the middle of an act. Of, well, <laughs> uh, that's funny you bring it up. My first stage time was Chuckles. I was taking a class in the city. Lee Frank, we were going to do a final show at Dangerfields. So I said, I got to get on stage before this. So I talked to a few guys. Oh, they do an open mic and chuckle. So I go out there. Hey, can I get on? I signed up. I get up, and I'm bombing. Nothing's working. Bombing, bombing, bombing. I get really laughs. All of a sudden, and I always say I was a fireman, the siren goes off next door. And I go, oh, oh thank God. I got to go, guys. I gotta go, right? <laughs> and they laughed. And I go, oh, maybe I can do this, you know? <laughs> I, I would I would then bring a uh, remote control fire yeah. alarm that I could set off whenever I wanted to. I'd <laughs> use that as as my end. Okay. Uh, so, um, but I've, I've had um, – Several guys on here who um, you mentioned bring their friends, and they they start out late in life, going to be a stand up comedian, like in their forties or fifties. And I'm yeah. like, well, you really got to be a young person to get into this this game. But then they will bring their entire friends and family to their first show, slightly smaller group of friends and family to the second show, and the third show, yeah. and get a big head. All of a sudden, like I'm a professional stand up comic. I like you're not a, a professional stand up comedian until you've done a, a gig for complete strangers you don't yeah. know one person in the room it, it, uh, <laughs> joe, joe star joe star who was on our show he said to me years ago we've known each other since the first day i walked through the door at Conkama comedy and i asked him that he go when are you a comic he says you're a comedian when the other comedians start referring to you as a comedian oh nice i like that <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting baptism by fire yeah <laughs> So I did, uh, when I had Sam Talent on, uh, who was the author of that book, we were arguing back and forth, well, a friendly argument, debate about who's cooler. And I said, uh, comedians are cooler. He said, no, no, musicians are cooler to hang out with and be around. So I took a poll on, on my YouTube channel about who's cooler, musicians, uh, comedians, or actors. Who do you think won? Comedians. Yeah, by far, by far. Like ninety percent, ninety percent of people said, uh, have this idea that comedians are are more fun to hang out with than cooler people. And it's funny because I was I'm a trumpet player, and what started this whole uh, helping through humor thing, uh, John always gets oh no he's gonna talk about it again. Uh, I do this thing since I'm 14 called Drum and Bugle Corps. It's like professional marching man. So I've been involved with it for so many years. That's how this all got started. And I hang out with comics and I hang out with musicians. And I'll tell you what, man. They're both they're both awesome groups of people, man. Other than John, <laughs> but are, are and this way, you know who's funnier? Fireman. If you've ever been in a city oh, fire, oh, yeah. oh my god! And there's you can't even talk about the stuff that that we do. In the, you know, one night we had we had a guy who who uh, who snored a lot or something. I don't remember what it was. He was off. They took an alarm clock, set it for three o'clock in the morning next to his bunk. Ripped open the wall and sheetrocked it over. <laughs> so now the alarm's going off at three in the morning, and he can't find his clock. I mean, <laughs> these guys—they're out of control. They—they they really are. But I—I I mean, that's—that's that's what I miss about firehouse life, and that's what I miss about the guys. It's like 
it was the funniest place to be is a firehouse kitchen yeah well that was my and and with sam and i we were both arguing the other sides he was saying com musicians were, were more fun to hang out with, and i was saying no comedians are my experience is that comedians when they're together if they like each other they can be really clicky and not yeah. like each other yeah. right? right but if they they're a bunch of guys or and i say guys because i really never met and this is not being, uh, I've never met a, uh, a chick comedian who I saw hanging out in a group, so I don't know how they are. But if you got a bunch of guys who really like each other and, and uh, are, are in sync with each other, that's the best time. And you will never see that on stage. As You'll laugh a lot harder hanging out with a bunch of comedians in a diner than you will ever laugh at any single one of them when they're on stage. The best part about, to me, hanging out with, let's say, five or six or seven comics at the diner is that it's like it's like young tigers toughening each other up because at one point, everybody's going to make fun of John. And all of right. a sudden, all of a sudden, within you don't even see it happening. Now they're making fun of me. Then right. we make fun of Joe. You everybody makes fun of everybody else. And it really toughens you up. It's it's an amazing little rite of passage. And, and people used to say to me, uh, "Well, how do you handle the hecklers?" And I'm like, "You've never been in a firehouse kitchen. <laughs> it is relentless, relentless. A guy lost his house. His house burnt down. The next day, there were pictures of trailers on his locker because he was going to live in a trailer on his front lawn. It wasn't even a day gone by." I mean, they are relentless, and it, it toughens you up. Nothing on stage has ever come close in a firehouse kitchen. Wow. Nothing. Great, great stuff. You know, I, I do have a lot of comedians who kind of uh, – and young comedians who tune into this. So I, I always like to get the pers perspective of guys who've done it for a while to help encourage it or at least – encourage or discourage if, if, if need be uh some of some of the people who will want to get into this life and it's important i think to know that you know uh, you, you see sebastian on tv selling out madison square garden that ain't that ain't how it starts and that's not going to be it for 25 years or so no. I and tell it, young comics i tell young comics all the time at first you have to do it because you're passionate about it that you really hmm. love it if you're doing it just for the money, you might as well get out right. because not everybody's going to be a Kevin James. Not everybody. Not everybody's going to be a John LaRocchio. Let's be honest. I mean, come on. Why? God. <laughs> well, I think uh, having the uh, experience, the life experience of a fireman, actually helps in that. And you know, and that's a, an important part. Uh, of being a comedian is to have a life that's interesting before you, you, you can, so you have something to write material about. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> life to talk about your experiences, absolutely. I'm a grandfather now. I have a I have a new seven minutes on being, you know, a grandparent. Wow. Uh, yeah, he has seven minutes. There's not much laughter, but it is seven minutes long. We timed it. How much time can you do? Oh, <laughs> Twenty five minutes. No, no, no. Not stand up there and talk. Five minutes. Well, I got I got a friend. He's actually in the Twitch uh, chat room right now. He started stand up at fifty three years old, and uh, he's fifty six, fifty seven. What does he look like? Uh, he looks, no, he's not a local guy. He's oh. from he's from Indiana. Uh, but his first very first gig was a forty five minute set. Forty five minutes. His very first time out. It was. I can't believe that. I can't believe that there was not a lot of family there. Or I, I, I think it I was a, a business a event. I got a great story about this. I was I have an improv. Used to have an improv troupe. We used to do this room in Connecticut, and they put this like eighty year old guy up front. He was supposed to do ten minutes. Forty minutes in, people are walking out 
And one of the one of the comics in my in the uh, in the group goes, "Why don't they give him the light?" I go, "Look at him; he'll walk into it." <laughs> <laughs> the light, the light, the light, the light. Yeah. Well, Louis C.K. was talking about that. I saw a <laughs> clip recently about his first thing at the comedy store, and he had been. This is twenty years into his career. He's been on Letterman. He's been on all the Jim Leno and all that stuff, and he finally had to audition at the comedy store. And he said he got up to the stage. And just gave it like opening hello, and Mitzi was giving him the light, like, and he's like, that, that can't be right. I just got up here. <laughs> I'm a status queen. And no, she hated him. She hated his guts and wanted him off there really quick. As, has oh, wow. uh, got any experiences like that where you just like what was shocked by how quick you got the light? No, I did. I did, I did uh, on a tour. We were trying to put comedy clubs in these electric cowboys. It was in Texarkana. And I told the guy, goes, what do you want me to say about you? I said, whatever you do, do not say New York. Give me a fighting chance. And it's, <laughs> they warned me. They go, there's three different biker gangs here tonight. And uh -huh. the, the guy who went up first, the feature act was from the South, so they loved him. And he goes, you guys ready for your headline? I'm like, yeah, all the way from New York City, uh -huh. the booze started. I did 20 <laughs> minutes. I just said, thank you. And I just go, give me my money. And I got into my car and got out of there fast. Yeah. I <laughs> I did, a show, I did a show at a small firehouse in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. And they put me up in this hotel. It was one of the worst hotels I ever stayed in. So I check into the hotel. I go to the gig. And I get on stage. And I just start abusing the hotel. Like, hey, listen, I never, ha I never had cockroaches who need soap. You know, <laughs> and then, they, you know, just for about 15 minutes, bada bing, bada bing, bada bing. Did my, now I had a new pair of pants I had just bought for this gig. So... Great stand. I killed it. This is the mind of a comic. It's, it's People can't understand this. And I killed that night. I, I destroyed the place. Sold T-shirts afterwards until I go out. Three of my tires are slashed on my car, right? And and I, it was New York plates the, the parked in front of the door. So I call the chief. We changed the tires. I ripped my pants, right? I go, there's no way I'm going back to that hotel now. Who knows who's waiting for me? I'll drive the eight hours home, wherever I was, right? And I get in the car, rip pants. Three ties from a junkyard, and I, I get in there, and I'm still on the high end. I'm like, but I was funny tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I was good, man. That's all that matters, man. That's all that matters. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I uh, we're running out of time. Let's see. Let's pro promo this gig. Uh, who are no. the who's who's the uh, lineup? Uh, for for the uh, online gig that we're going to be giving, I'm going to be giving away uh, one two tonight, and we'll be on helping through humor dot org uh, as of tonight. Okay, yeah, it's it's helping through humor dot org is where it's it is. It's the it's laughter saves lives national first responder charity event. Uh, it was John was hosting John Butera, myself, JJ Boyd, Chris Roach, and Joe Starr. It's a really it's actually a phenomenal show. Very well, very well filmed, very well edited. It's it's a professional show. Yeah, professionally shot. Three camera shoot. Three camera shoot, and uh, it came out phenomenal. Is it uh, is it family friendly? Is it all clean, or is, is there some, uh, uh, some more color stuff? There's a little off color stuff. Well, what, what was amazing is there was three cameras, and when JJ was up there, none of them were on him. How is that possible? Well, there were ducks flying. There were ducks flying by. Come on. <laughs> well, well, guys, I, I really appreciate your time tonight. I oh, wish you a lot. I, I wish you a lot of success with this thing, and, right. and I hope it does well and continue success with, uh, you know, just the idea of just using humor to give back in a way. I, I really salute you guys for that because it's it's a really cool thing that you're doing. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thanks for having us, man. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Have a have a good night. Bye now. Bye for now. We're going out. We're done. We're done. What are you? What are you? That's it. Oh, you you want to hang out? I'll hang out. I got nothing better to do. You can put your pants back on, John. (laughs) Oh, I I can put mine back on too. You know, pants. What pants? You know, I I, on that note, just before I go, I like my my little bit of I had a, a lady on here for my business edition during the day and she was a- angry that I didn't put a, a tie on for her. I said, well, you don't want to know that I'm not wearing pants right now and, and I truly wasn't I got a tie dye g-string on right now and it's running off <laughs> right. it's uh, uh, Bye, guys. Have, a, have a great night bye, bye guys thank you so much bye. bye this episode is brought to you by put me in the story put me in the story creates personalized books for kids by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters. Save 25% store-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely. Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by Vapor DNA. Founded in 2013, Vapor DNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45-day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code OrionQ. Helping through humor.org is where you're going to find it, folks. Again, I want to, I want to see the very first uh, person who has shared uh, their the page uh Get a screenshot of it with a timestamp on it. Send it to info at minddogtv.com, and I will buy your ticket. I plan on buying my own ticket, uh, watching it, maybe review the show a little bit, what I think about it on a future episode. But uh, check these guys out. The other website is, uh, let me build that up really quick. It's uh, laughtersavedlives.org. So you got two. The one where the show is going to be uh, is help, help, Helping through humor.org and then laughtersaveslive.org. Uh, both of those will be in the description, nice and clickable, so you don't have to look for them. Uh, and I appreciate the, your patronizing them and helping them out. A good cause. Uh, and 
good laughs. So you can't beat you can't beat that combination. So I hope you enjoyed this program. I hope you come back, tell your friends about it. Uh, subscribe, go to my YouTube channel and subscribe there, and uh, go to minddogtv.com and get on my mailing list. And uh, till tomorrow, uh, I'm Matt Napple for the Mind Dog TV podcast. Thanks for coming to find me. I'm the kind of guy who likes to sleep in late And I'm the kind